Today on the podcast, a mantelpiece moment that saw the gift of a year's wage in exchange for one of the most famous novels in history. A novel that celebrates all things we love about Christmas. The food, the drinks, the cheer, the family, and of course, murder. And of course, the weekly reveal to what magical book I have pulled down from my to-be-read shelf. All of that and more this week on A Novel Review. Hello and welcome to the literature podcast, A Novel Review. My name is Seamus, your host, and together we will discuss, dissect, and explore the wonderful world of literature, and the wonderful world of literature is a vast and dense jungle, so let's start making our way through, one book at a time. Ho, ho, hello, and season's greetings, and welcome to the beginning of another episode of A Novel Review, a podcast exploring the wonderful world of literature. My name is Seamus, and I am your host, and for today's episode, the Christmas we would all love to be a part of, only if we survived. Yep, today it's Hercule Poirot's Christmas. But before I jump into this book, I always take a moment to reflect on any mantelpiece moments. Something to highlight from the week past, and this week I have been looking into all things Christmas. What's the best gift? What's the best gift you ever received? A toy? A bike? Perhaps a book? To be honest, I don't think I could personally narrow it down because I have been fortunate enough to receive some beautiful gifts through the years. Mostly books, but this is not about me, although it is my podcast. But still... What if I told you that Harper Lee, the author of the novel To Kill a Mockingbird, received the greatest gift of all time? Two of her friends by the name of Michael Brown and Joy Williams Brown wrote her a short card that said the following, You have one year off from your job to write whatever you please. Accompanying the note was a year's wages with the proviso that she actually took a year off to write. Well, she did, and what she produced in that year was released a few years later as the novel To Kill a Mockingbird. Isn't that the most insanely wonderful thing you ever heard? I clearly have to get better friends because that is a gift. And also, what is great is she took that year. She didn't squander it. Her friends had an insane faith in her, and she repaid it. So... If anyone listening wants to give me a year's salary, that would be great. My current salary is around $10 million after tax, so just let me know. We can sort out a direct debit. You can donate it through my website. Thanks in advance, and Merry Christmas. Housekeeping, as always, all the scripts from the episode are available on my website, just in case you know of anyone who has a hearing impairment who might get a kick out of a written version of the pod. So head along, they are all free for use for all to enjoy. Also, all the episodes are available on YouTube with closed captions, if that's more your cup of tea. And lastly, don't forget to hit like, subscribe, five stars, reviews, all that kind of, you know, jazz, just so more people can find the pod. I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Tis the season to be jolly. The season to give gifts and tell your family you love them. To eat chocolate for breakfast, 
turkey and ham for lunch, plum pudding for afternoon tea, and then more chocolate for dinner. To drink and cheer and pull Christmas crackers, to just generally switch off and have a good time, which is hopefully what you're doing now as you're listening to this podcast. If you're not doing this for whatever reason, maybe you're away or you're an essential worker holding society together, I hope that you get some good enjoyment out of this pod. But the point of that whole little monologue was to actually set the scene of things you should be doing during the holiday period. Eating, drinking, sleeping, playing games. What about murder? Should we have a murder? Is that on the Christmas wish list? It certainly wasn't on mine, but there are some things that are synonymous with Christmas, just as there are some things that are synonymous with Hercule Poirot. And so if you read a story about Hercule Poirot, you're going to be reading about murder. And then to fully round out this cyclical monologue, the murder of this particular book is at Christmas. I think a fun aspect of this novel is to note that the story was actually published in 1938 on the 19th of December. So it really was a Christmas book for the people, which I love. So well done, Agatha. Well done, publishing house. Whoever published this book originally, I don't actually know. Let's move on. Shall we have an overview? Like we really need one. It's going to be something along the lines of a vacuum of different people are thrust together and someone is murdered. Poirot arrives, asks some questions, solves the case. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. Catch you next year. I'm just kidding. Let's have a proper overview. Although that joking overview is low-key the base structure to an Agatha Christie Poirot story. The formula to success. And yeah, When you can boil it down to that kind of level of stripped bare essentials, you can see how the story works and from there build up the narrative and plot. But anyway, sidetracked again. An overview. Simon Lee is an old man, multi-millionaire and not on great terms with his family. He invites his family around for Christmas, including his orphan Spanish-born granddaughter, whom no one has ever met. And then also to stir things up, his old business partner's son arrives unexpectedly. Now the old Simon decides to play a little cruel game. He invites everyone in to be in a particular room that accidentally overhears him on the phone to his attorney, asking about updating his will and removing them all from it. This scene kind of reminded me from that of Knives Out, the film, if anyone has seen that, the old man cutting off his children who are leeching off his money. But anyways, let's continue. Naturally, Everyone in the family who has grown accustomed to money is a bit annoyed. Later that night, there is a mad scuffle heard in Simon Lee's room, to which everyone dashes to, only to find the door locked, and when they break it down, they find their father murdered. And so now, as a Christmas treat, the stage is set for a locked room mystery. Although for the family, it probably wasn't a treat, but for us as the readers, it most definitely is a treat. And then from there the story progresses and another layer is heaved atop the carcass of death that reeks throughout the novel. Uncut diamonds that Simon Lee has in his possession are now rendered stolen. Was this a murder of passion, a murder of anger, or simply a theft gone wrong? Threaded throughout the story is this recurring line from Macbeth, yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? This line is in reference to how much blood was splattered around the room in this grisly, grisly murder. And that's also another sort of fun, fancy fact that Agatha Christie at this point was being criticised for her use of 
or rather lack of use of blood and murders in her stories, and so she went on and wrote a story where there is an excessive amount of blood spattered about. Charming. What I found most curious about this book, particularly as it's a Poirot story, is how little Poirot feels a part of the story itself. Poirot doesn't enter the story until nearly half distance, and he felt to me to be held sort of in the fringes of this story instead of the regular taking center stage and commanding the direction of the story, the direction of the mystery, and how you go about solving it. What this does is, places you more as the reader at the heart of the mystery itself. Don't get me wrong, Superintendent Sudgan is investigating, and you are part of the solving of the case, but it feels different this time. You almost feel lost a bit more than usual because you don't get Poirot really driving the story and connecting small dots that you have invariably missed. You don't get the same commentary, and this is incredibly important because, and this is a spoiler for the story, I mean, like, in fact, it's actually the central spoiler because I'm about to reveal the murderer, so chill out and stop listening if that's something you don't want to know. Okay, you're still listening. Either you want to know, you already know, or maybe you're like my my dear friend Abby who doesn't read and just listens to the pod because she's good like that. Shout out to Abby. If you're like her, she just doesn't care. The killer is, you guessed it, even though I know you really didn't guess it, Superintendent Sudgan. The man investigating the murder. Yep, I bet you did not see that coming. The conscious control by Agatha to hold Poirot in the fringes of this story because, as we know, Sudgan is the killer, only further highlights Agatha's control of writing and really just how much she forces the story right under our noses. You never once considered that Poirot is held back in this story to bring Sudgan to centre stage for the reason that Poirot is wanting to watch him and suspects him, and yet, now that we know it, it's all so simple to us as the reader in what the Queen, Christie, Agatha Christie, the maestro, was doing by highlighting Sudgan. Poirot wanted to highlight Sudgan and watch him work, and yet we were too engrossed to see. At least, I was. I think we need a quote. When I did the last episode on Agatha Christie, uh, the Poirot, the murder on the Orient Express, I actually got more than one message about my Hercule Poirot voice, the Belgian accent, and they were positive comments as well, which was <laughs> like a bit of a surprise, to be honest. So here's another quote just to give the people what they want. Merry Christmas. And families now, families who have been separated throughout the year, assemble once more together. Now, under these conditions, my friend, you must admit that there will occur a great amount of strain. People who do not feel amiable are putting great pressures on themselves to appear amiable. There is at Christmas time a great deal of hypocrisy. Honourable hypocrisy, hypocrisy undertaken pour les bons motifs, c'est entendu, but nevertheless hypocrisy. <laughs> I mean, first up, apologies if you do not like the accent. I, I, I was kind of shocked when I saw the messages, but in one paragraph, Agatha has summed up the familial strain that is often felt more acutely at Christmas. I'm sure a few of you listening know this strain. Hopefully, though, like, hopefully it does not drive you to murder because that would put a bit of a dampener on present opening time. So don't be a Grinch and murder people. Maybe just, like, chill out or something. I don't know. Well, what should I rate this Christmas novel out of five? Another classic, another brilliant, confusing ride, and this time at Christmas. 
I'm going to give it a 3.8 Christmas murders out of 5. So what am I reading this week? This week I am doing my annual read of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I read it every year and it always delights. This year, as I have recently moved to the chilly northern hemisphere, this year will be my first year reading it with a cold Christmas in sight. Hailing from Australia, I am normally reading it on a day at the beach between swims, you know, 40 degrees or something beautiful like that. But I have traded the beach for the couch and a coffee or maybe a hot chocolate, maybe even some Baileys in there. Now... Before I close out the show, if you have listened this far, please consider hitting those five stars. I would really appreciate it. Also, feel free to head along to the website and support the pod. And of course, thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention. And perhaps more importantly, Merry Christmas from me. I hope you all have beautiful festive periods. And most importantly, have some time to yourself to read some really good books. So I think it's time to end this episode. And today, to take us away, I think... A bit of Christmas, bit of a Christmassy quote from P.G. Woodhouse from the novel Jeeves and the Yuletide Spirit. And the quote goes, It being Christmas Eve, there was, as I had foreseen, a great deal of revelry. And why not? <laughs>